Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the letters in the Word. Here is Dr. David. We exhort your name right now for this moment. We just want to exhort you, magnify you, glorify you. And we're asking God that your word once again will take root, strengthen us, grant us insight into your intent and purposes for creation. And God, where we are right now in your agenda, cause your light to God to bring this to pass. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so now we continue with our study on the difference between a believer and an unbeliever. This part three, the difference between a believer and an unbeliever. And uh, I just hope you pay good attention to this. Again, our text is from Ephesians 4. We're reading from verse 17. Ephesians 4. Reading from verse 17. This I say therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. With that, with that last week, I'm sure, Extensively. Having the understanding that can be alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their hearts, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to walk all uncleanness with greediness. But ye have, ye have not so learned Christ. 21. If it so be that you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Verse 22. That you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt, according to the deceitful laws, And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Praise God. Alright. So, let's deal with verse 18 again. We're still picking out a few things from verse 18. Having the understanding darkened. That is... The unbelievers understanding and darkened be alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their hearts. Be alienated from the life of God. And this is very, very important for you to understand. Why is it important? Because the original design of God is that his life should be in man. Man ought to be his temple. Did you get that? Man was the place God designed to live in. So when you start looking at the book of Second Corinthians 6, he'll be telling you, I will dwell in them, I will live in them, I will walk in them. That's God's internal and intentional original purpose from the one to live in man. But the alienated man whose heart is darkened is separated from this life. That to say, the unbeliever does not have God's life in him. As compared to the believer who now has his life living in him. God is living his life through the believer. And that is different from the unbeliever. Give me 2 Corinthians 6. Let's look at that. If that's what I'm looking for. Look at the last uh, three verses of that chapter for me. Second Corinthians 6. Praise the Lord. 
What agreement are the temple of God with idols for you are the temple of the living God? Are you getting that? Good. And as God has said, I will dwell in them, I will walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. We can stop there. That's the only thing I'm looking for. What, what did God say he will do? He will dwell in them. So, the major difference between you and the other people is that God dwells in you. As compared to man that is not in God. You see, this is where your confession of greater is in me, that is he, that is he, that is he. You know, we say all of those things. But when we really come to the place of trouble and danger, we don't remember that God lives in us. We don't even, you see, we just, we just say it in church. We don't have that conviction that God resides within us. God said, I will dwell in them, I will live in them, I will walk in them. And when you look at the next verse, verse 17. Wherefore come out from among them and be a separate, see the Lord, and touch all your glinting, and I will receive you. And what's the next thing you find there? And I'll be what? A father unto you, and it shall be what? My sons and daughters, say the Lord Almighty. See, he is the God of the whole world because he created all things. But it's not a father of the whole world. It's a father to those whose spirit, I mean, who now receive or have received his own spirit. You are fathered by the spirit, which is the Holy Spirit. Are you done with me? Praise the Lord. That is a privilege you have that the man in the world does not have. They don't have God's life resident within them. So, scripture is telling us that they are alienated from the life of God. So that's one of the privileges you have that they don't have. That God resides within you. And you should have that conviction. So when you are quoting John, first John, greater is he that is with me than he that is in the world. Quote it without conviction. Not just quoting it, know it. Believe it. As you confess in it, know that this is a reality. God lives within me. Amen. And so like I say here, when you have that consciousness, your understanding of God being your father comes alive. Because you are bettered again when Jesus said you must be born again from above. You are bettered again by the spirit of the father. So you are a son of God. You are a son of God. You are a daughter of God. That's what the Bible says. And you have to see it that way. You have to believe it that way. You have to understand it that way. There is no other way you are going to go about it. No other definition. You are a child of God, period. You are a son, you are a son. If God says you are my son, I don't see how you want to define yourself by any other thing. The problem is you don't have that understanding. So the man in the street does not have the life of God and he cannot say God is his father. He can only say God is God. And I mentioned that in the first section of this series. The rain can fall on the just and the unjust. How many of you remember that? Good. That is what we call the common grace of God. But it's a big difference between the common grace and the reality of who you are in terms of you being a child of God. 
Praise the Lord. Are we there? Good. So, we'll go back now to Ephesians 4.18. We say they are alienated from the life of God. So I'm describing just that verse for you. I mean just that word, alienation. They are separated from the life of God. God is not resident within them. God does not live his life within them. God does not walk in them. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Let me tell you this. When you lay hands on people and people get healed, that is God walking through you to heal the people. I don't ever get in there. So anywhere you're walking in or passing by or whatever the case, you're carrying God. God is I'm walking in them. You, it's moving through you. In other words, he wants to express himself through you. So every child of God should have that consciousness that God expresses himself through us. That's why your prayer is effective. effective. We can be effectual because you have the understanding that God is the one talking. He's using your voice to talk. You look at oh, come on. You look at the case of Ezekiel 37. We may not be able to go there. But you know the the prophecy of the dry bones, the valley of dry bones. You've read that before. Yeah. Well, what, did, what, did, what did Ezekiel say? He said, the Lord commanded me to prophesy. Or that they say, speak. He said, and when I prophesy, the bones came together. He's using the voice of God. Because God asked him to do it. God is now walking through Ezekiel to gather Israel together. Because that, uh, that prophecy is actually the two nations coming together and becoming one. Judah and Samaria. Jeroboam camp and their Hilban camp coming together. And um, the stake that united them is Christ. Amen? That is why you find that Jesus will say, the Lord, he was telling disciples, don't go to, just go only to the lost tribe of Israel. How many of you remember that? Good. It's to reconcile the lost tribe to the house of Judah. The Samarians or the Samaritans to bring them together. You know? That's what he means when he said, I'm sent to the lost tribe of Israel. Praise the living God. So there's the point. The life of God. This is something you can express, you can manifest because of the understanding that you have that you are a child of God. God lives in you. God lives, I mean, every one of us by his spirit. Praise the Lord. But the unbeliever, like I said, doesn't have this privilege. You remember we're talking about the difference between the believer and the unbeliever. They don't have this privilege. They don't have this opportunity. They don't have the life of God flowing through them, walking through them, manifesting through them. They don't have it. Praise the Lord. And one thing that is so important, help me Jesus. One thing that is so important about this life of God flowing is that He deals with our soul realm and gives us absolute joy. Meaning when God's life begins to truly flow through you, material things are no longer what gives you joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength. With joy shall you draw water out of the west of salvation. Your soul is satisfied as compared to the unbeliever who is longing. You know what the unbeliever tried to do? 
to be able to get joy, you want to smoke. You want to take some some weed, huh? Or take some powders. In fact, I would just tell him, man, I want to, I want to, I want to high. I want to try to get high, huh? Because they are depressed. But for you as a believer, no, by the life of God, there is joy in your soul. No matter what is going on, you are satisfied. You are happy. But don't believe me, man. No, you want to get high. You want to get some, want to get stone. You want to get some grass. You know, take some pots and take some drink as well too. <laughs> My sister is loving, but that's the truth of the matter. You understand that, right? Just sit down and say, oh, no, no, I'm not comfortable, man. Let me take a walk. Where are you going to now? Maybe you're going to a beer parlor. One bottle, two bottles, three bottles. I just want to relax. Huh? Because your soul, there is no joy in it. No joy in it. Praise God. Are we still here? So, the happiest man ought to be the believer. Because God's life is flowing where? In his soul, as compared to the unbeliever. Praise the Lord. And that's why most times we need to call ourselves back to order. When certain things are happening to us and we are thinking outside of the framework of God's life, we need to call ourselves to order. Or we have to have some people around us that can encourage us to keep us back home. What I mean is, look at David. This is what David said. Oh my soul, why are that cast down? That is to say, joy was losing, and he was losing joy from his soul. So he was saying, oh my soul, why are that cast down? So sometimes when that kind of a thing comes around you, you only need to awaken yourself by remembering the fact that God lives within you. Outside of that, you can have somebody who can let you know that God is still gracious, no matter what is going on. Amen? Come on, are you there with me? Praise the Lord. So, we have true happiness in our spirit, which the unbeliever doesn't have. I'm showing the difference between the believer and the unbeliever. So now when, when you come into that level where you are getting depressed either because of what you don't have or whatever, you are already falling into the realm of unbelief. Because the joy in your soul is already winning. I don't know if I get in there. You are already you are, you are moving into the realm of an unbeliever. Though you are a Christian, but you are moving into the realm of an unbeliever. Because now you don't understand again that God lives within you. The joy of the Lord is no longer within your spirit. You know, and that's why, like I said, you need somebody that can help you out. Praise the living God. Are you with me? Right. And again, we are saying that the life of God that is not in them is true ignorance. You look at that deficiency for again. Having the understanding that can be alienated from the life of God. That's what I've just said. Through what? The ignorance that is in them. Ignorance makes it impossible for God's life to come in. And this is very important. Ignorance. That is true. No true lack of information or intelligence to ignore true disinclination, not understanding. By implication, what I mean is the ignorance of how powerful the life of God is. And Paul we said in Romans chapter 1, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, 
For it's the power of God unto salvation. You see what I'm saying? But the ignorant man will want not to think that the Bible contains anything that can give life. Hmm. Praise the Lord. The ignorant that was in them. And that's very important. And it continues to exist. This ignorant continues to exist because they continue to deny. Remember, God gave them over to what? A reprobate mind when you cannot acknowledge that the true God exists. When a man becomes an atheist, what happens is you continue to dive into the realm of continuous unbelief. That is the ignorance that's in them. That is why I discovered that even philosophers cannot write any book that can reveal God. Great philosophers, great atheists, all of those people. Is that okay? They are still struggling to find who God is. But merely going through the Bible, a spirit comes into your life, you are born again. But the man in the street will want to think that he could find peace, he could find, I mean, in the course of his trying to find, he ended up not even discovering anything and concluding that there is nothing like God. I don't know if you're getting what I'm saying here. Through the ignorance that in the end, there's nothing to instruct, nothing to enlighten them about who God is. No matter the volume of books you want to read outside of the Bible to discover God, you're wasting your time. You end up diving into the realm of a continuous unbelief. You even, even, even if you believe before, you end up denying if God really exists. No knowledge of God come from outside of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. You can find it. So that ignorance is what is in them. But for you as a believer, you've been able to, you have overcome this level of ignorance. Now you read the Bible and you can have inspiration, you can have light coming to you when you're reading pages of the Bible. God enlightens you. Of all the books that I've ever written, the Bible is still the oldest, if I may use the word. <laughs> and the most, I mean, it's the book that is most contested with and yet, is the book that has survived in our generation. Think of any book that you want to think. The books that were read in school in those days, they're all gone. You are not thinking about them again because there are a lot of improvement, development. You understand what I'm saying? Even the books you use for chemistry when you were in secondary school, they are no longer evolved. Chemistry formulas are changing because everything is changing every day. Am I right? Good. But not so with the Bible. The Bible is still constant. It's still what it is. Why? Because the word of God. Praise the living God. Now there are a lot of translations coming up. Why? There's nothing wrong with that. All of those things. But again we'll find that a lot of people also. Who are trying to do these translations. Some of them are not actually. Um, scholarly enough. In relation to the source of the English. Of the word that was used. Like the Aramaic. The Greek Aramaic language that was used. There's a guy that does a very tremendous work. I follow some of his pieces. He's, he's writing, editing, the, I mean, when I say translating the Bible, the mirror, the mirror Bible. It's very, very powerful. I think the guy is based in South Africa. But he has understanding of the Aramaic language. You understand what I mean? Right. So, no, But what I'm saying to say essentially is that you can read this book. You see, we've seen people who, who were 
very crude people, but they stumble into the Bible and they become enlightened. You understand what I mean? Why? Because the inspiration with which the book was written is granted unto them. So I'm saying one of the things that makes the unbeliever not to guard the heart of the life of God is the ignorant, the ignorant about the life of God, about the ways of God. Praise the Lord. Alright. And again, the next thing we see there is through the ignorance in the blind because of the blindness of their heart. The blindness. The blindness they are talking about, the hardness. Hardness of heart from the cardia. Blindness of the heart. Cardia. Cardiologist, you see, talking about your heart. Right? Good. Okay, the thoughts and feelings of these people, they are hardened. Before the Lord picked me up, I used to read the Bible to look for verses to attack Christians. I was a very good guy. <laughs> and one of the passages I used, John was saying, I don't want to be writing with pen and inks anymore. I will come to you. And then I'll go to the passage that said, Jesus said, there are a lot of things that I have not spoken to you now. The Spirit will make you see them. Then I will tell the Christians, your Bible is not complete. That means there are other books we need to read alongside the Bible. Because if the Bible is saying, I don't want to pull this down in pen and ink, there are the information that I didn't want to give to the believers. And these are scriptures I will pick. But you see, it all came from the hardness of the heart. Because I don't want to do anything, I don't want to have anything to do with Christianity. I don't know if I'm getting that. But when the challenge came to me, because I was trying to put this right in my own human way of thinking, you know, when I was teaching them, and some people came to the school, they wanted to cheat in the school, and I wasn't happy with that. Actually, one of his ass came in my secondary school I was teaching and said, I want to give a great, great to all the students and they have to contribute money. And then they call us together and say, we should come and divide the money out of the drinks. And I asked them the question, if my daughter were to be in this school, you mean she has to pay me to help her to cheat? That I can't do that. But he said, oh, that's what they want to do. So they went ahead. So myself too, because then I was a wire brigade officer. I went to Ahoda, got police officers and picked all of them. Principal, vice principal, all of them. About seven of them. And I locked them up for seven days in the cell. So then I was told that they want to kill me, the community that uh, I'm coming to destroy their school. So I ran from JK to Imbiama, you know, to stay. So while I was there, I, somebody just struck me. What are you really doing. I just say, God, but I'm doing the right thing, so what is going on? Then I asked my cousin, one of my cousins, I said, do you have a Bible? And then he said, yes. I was like, let me have your Bible. So I got his Bible and I went to fasting and I started reading the Bible and fasting. And I said, I got converted. And nobody really preached to me. You understand what I'm saying? But as a point like the blindness of Paul on the road to Damascus, he used some hard things to get you to himself. Every hardness that was in my heart was removed when I started reading and fasting, reading and fasting. Nobody told me to fast. I just felt I just went into fasting and I was reading the book, reading the Bible. And I began to see light, begin to get understanding. 
And then the next thing I picked the book of Martin Luther. And then the reformer. I started reading the biography of that man. Life just broke into my spirit. And that was the end of it. When I went back, finally, people came out of cell and I went back to the station. I started preaching. They might have repented. Saul on the road to Damascus. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So that's the thing. The hardness of heart will make you to resist even the word of God. So sometimes you see, even if the word is coming and this is the real word that was supposed to challenge some strongholds in your life and you are resisting them, you, you, you're dropping into the realm of what? An unbeliever. Because your heart has been hardened. Ignorant is you are unable to see as relating to the life of God. But this comes from the hardness of your heart. And, and you see, yeah, my wife was trying to describe something for me yesterday. Do you know what this, something is callous? I don't want to describe this now. Um, if you have a scar in your, in your skin, maybe you have a bond, hot iron, the skin that can become deadened, thickened, isn't it? Right. That's the kind of thing that may describe. Let's look at 1 Timothy 4 verse 2. 1 Timothy 4 verse 2. Speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience said with what? A hot iron. That's the point. Their conscience is dead. They don't feel any pain. They don't feel anything. No, 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 no. Because they're branded with iron. So the skin is already dead. No feelings. You understand what I mean? So that's exactly the life of the unbeliever. His heart is dead. Can't respond to anything. No consciousness. No, no conscience in any way. Even if he's killing anybody, he doesn't think anything. He's like foul. They don't have conscience. You understand what I mean? You know, it's, it's difficult for me to, to slaughter a chicken. Sometimes my wife have to do that. When they give us Christmas chickens, you know? And then when I look at this chicken, I mean, this thing goes live and it's bubbling, then I'm going to put something in the neck. It's difficult. Not to talk of killing a human being. Why? Because they don't have conscience. The conscience is snapped. That's the life of the unbeliever. So they can do anything. Robbery, killing, whatever they are doing. Because they have a snared word, conscience. I, I don't know if you are getting this now. No, nothing touches it. It's branded. Hot iron, seal it. So, I mean, I can even say blood is no longer flowing because it's thick. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Uh, but let me show you the heart of a believer as compared to the heart of an unbeliever now. Uh, Ezekiel 11 verse 19. Ezekiel 11 verse 19. Praise the Lord. 11 verse 19. Good. And I will give them one heart. And I will put a new spirit within you. And I will take what? The stony heart out of your flesh. I will give them what? A heart of flesh. 
not branded hard now. <laughs> you see what the Lord is doing. So when you become a believer, now again, Ezekiel 36, verse 26. When you become a believer, something actually is like an operation has taken place in your heart. The deadness of your heart has been softened. Now you can feel pains. You can you can feel sympathetic. You can sympathize with people. You can be remorseful when something is wrong. When you do what is not right, you can say, Oh God, what have I have done this? 26. Ezekiel 36 verse 26. It said, A new heart also will I give you. I would like to get an amen to that. And a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stoning heart out of your flesh. And I will give you what? A heart of flesh. Soft one. I will give you the heart of flesh. That you will f- be able to respond to issues just the way God will respond to them. I will give you the heart of flesh. This is where you can sympathize with people. This is where you can pity people. This is where... People's problems are becoming your problems because you're not thinking like God. The true spirit of compassion is coming to you as compared to the unbeliever who wants you to die so that I can take your possession. Hmm? Praise the living God. Little things make them fight. They want to grab. They want to get. No conscience. They can do anything just to get what they want. Amen? But God is giving you a heart of flesh. He's taking away this stony heart. And this is because you're receiving a heart of flesh. That's why you can understand the Bible. That's why you can see the mind of God in the scriptures. Because now the life of God is flowing in and through you. It's a different heart entirely. As compared to before you got to know the Lord. Amen. Praise the living God. You can see somebody that is so stubborn and whatever, maybe in a community and all that, and he becomes a Christian. The next thing, somebody can go there and give a slap, and they won't want to respond. People say, What is wrong with you? They say, No. Maybe the next thing, going to tell you where the Lord said, They slap you on this stick, turn this stick. Something has entered into the heart of that stubborn man, and he's not acting like as if he has no strength at all. It's got a fleshly heart. Are you there with me? Yes. So this is different from the hardness of men's heart, which is resulting from the blindness of their heart now, that makes it difficult for them to receive the life of God flowing in them. Hallelujah. Let's look at the Ephesians 4 again. Message translation from verse 17. Let me read from verse 17 through 18. 17 through 18. Message translation. And so I insist, and God backs me up on this, that there be no going along with the crowd, the empty-headed, mindless crowd. That's the unbelievers now. Paul is trying to describe who they are. Hmm? They've refused for so long to deal with God that they've lost touch not only with God but with reality itself 
Are, are you following what I'm talking about? They have lost touch with reality. Whatever, because we're talking about the life of God. Whatever they think is enjoyment is not. Whatever they think is success is not. They have lost touch with reality. What is the reality there? God Himself. Hallelujah. They can't think straight anymore. <laughs> Glory to God. Feeling no pain. They let themselves go into sexual obsession and addicted to every sort of perversion. Feeling no pains. Hallelujah. Can you get that? They can't think straight. If I may use my own word, no common sense anymore. They can't think straight. Why? Because for long they've resisted getting to the place of reality, which is God Himself. Praise the living God. Let's quickly look at the consequences for the many few minutes. Consequences of this life. The alienation, all of those things we're talking about from the life of God. Let's look at the consequences. Ephesians 2 verse 12, King James. Ephesians 2 verse 12. That at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in this world. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who were sometimes were far off and made nigh by the blood of Christ. Out of the sweat. That at that time, what time now? As an unbeliever, you were without Christ. Now, this is not just about not being a Christian, but they have no knowledge of the Christ or the Messiah, and therefore no entitlement or privileges that belong to Christ was coming to them. They were alienated from the life of Christ. Thank you for listening to Dr. David Ogaga. We know you have been blessed by this station. You can share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information, inquiries, and free downloads, please visit www.davidogaga.org or you can send us an email admin at gkai.net. God bless you.